Welcome to Shit We Do For Love, the podcast where we delve deep into the gap between our human need for love and connection and our secret belief that we're not really good enough to be loved. This gap has us forever trapped in people-pleasing, procrastination and perfection and all sorts of nonsense as we try to measure up and be the person we've been told is worthy of love, all the while missing the truth about how amazing we already are. I'm your host, the Love Your Bloody Self coach, Wendy Windle. Fancy having boundaries that get back time for you? Then head to wendywindle.com to pick up your free guide, because never having time for ourselves is just some more shit we do for love. My guest today is an expert in something that I can never claim to be, mum guilt. But if you've tuned in, tuned in, what is this, the 50s? If you've hopped onto the podcast in your app on your smartphone and you're not a mum, there's still gold for you in this episode because we get into the whole female experience of low self-esteem, the pressure to be perfect and ideals that can never be reached by any human being, never mind a mum. And we talk about how all of that is just heightened by being a mum. So it's the female experience through the lens of being a mum, but oh my goodness, if you're a woman, keep listening. My guest expert this week is Leanne Sia, who's an ex-corporate girl turned rock star life coach slash personal cheerleader. She's on a mission to help women tell their inner critic to shut the fuck up so they can own their worth and live their best life. Leanne is a qualified biker, which is Beautiful You Coaching Academy coach, which is actually where Leanne and I met. We were classmates in coaching school and were instantly drawn to each other's kind of too much, too loud, too strong, like loudest personalities in the class sort of personality. Leanne has two daughters, is very qualified to be the expert this week, loves traveling, ugly shoes, decaf tea, what? Nah, coffee me. Houseplants, the color yellow, and firmly believes that tea tastes better in her favorite mug. I think we can all agree that actually, yeah, tea and coffee do taste better in our favorite mug. I don't know about you, but I actually have a different mug for tea and for coffee. That's how fussy I get. Love, please enjoy this episode of Shit We Do For Love, The Real Cost of Mum Guilt. Leah, welcome to Shit We Do For Love and the Shit We Do For Love, this episode that we're going to delve into, we're going to delve into this shit, is mum guilt, which, disclosure, I'm not a mother. So I was really surprised when I asked my community, I often ask them questions to kind of tune in, see where they're at, see what I can create to help out my community and a community of women who have a strong inkling that they are perhaps not loving themselves as deeply as they could. And that if they did, they would flourish, thrive and be able to create the life and and usually the businesses and everything that they really, really want to. So I asked if I could take away one problem that you struggle with, what would it be? And I got answers that I was expecting, like help me to stop procrastinating, help me to stop playing small, get rid of my imposter syndrome. But there was an overwhelming answer, the kind of like, you know, family fortunes. And the top answer is mum guilt. And I was blown away, Leanne. I just thought this is something obviously as not a mum, I don't have, I don't struggle with. And how many women in my life are coping with this extra layer of pressure and guilt on top of what we already deal with. And I just want to speak to an expert about this. And as a mom and a coach who works with moms, I thought that you would be the perfect person. So talk to us, Leanne, about mom guilt. Where does this come from and what is it costing and how does it affect moms? Oh my God, Wendy, mum guilt is, it's the thief of joy, basically. It is the thief of joy when you're a mum. It can just be there every day telling you ultimately that you're not good enough and that you're doing a bad job. And because obviously you really give a shit about the job that you're doing as a mum, as a parent, to feel like you're failing every day. It is soul destroying. And I think that mum guilt is one of the reasons why mums get so burnt out 
and exhausted and overwhelmed. It's because they constantly got this voice in their head saying, you're not doing a good enough job. And it feels horrible. I can't. I mean, we all know what it feels like to feel that you're not doing a good enough job. But it's different when you think, you know, oh, that email could have been sent a bit differently or, oh, I haven't really met my my goals this quarter or, you know, I'm, I'm not really looking after myself well enough. I should maybe go for an extra walk today, you know. But when you're looking at a human being who you've been given to take care of and then think you're not good enough, I mean, how does that affect you? Aside from the constant nagging voice in your head, what, how do mums cope? What are they doing with this pressure? With the pressure, the they're beating themselves up and when they start beating themselves up and when they start feeling not good enough they try and prove that they are good enough by doing all the things that their mum guilt tells them to do whether that's be more productive be perfect have a tidy house buy more be more it's it's this feeling that who you are as a person is not enough so you've got to do more to prove that you are good enough and you know what happens wendy when we try and do more we get (laughs) it's just more exhausting isn't it because the to-do list is never ending right the to-do list is never ending right i mean and i know that just as a human being the to-do list is never ending but then yeah when you're putting all of the jobs that a mom has to do as well on top of everything i mean i say you know i've I'm not a mum, but for a while, for about six years of my life, I I did have the great joy of being a kind of a stepmother. Basically, my partner Mm -hmm. had kids and we had about 70 percent custody time of the children. So I do remember what it's like to wake up in the morning and think, okay, what are we going to feed them today? What's in their packed lunch? And then kind of all day have this running thing of like, what will I do for dinner? Um, And even just I wasn't in charge of a lot, but I was in charge of getting food on the table and picking them up from school and little things like that. I found that exhausting. And that was a fraction of what mums had to do to the point where, bless him, when I broke up with that partner, we were sitting in a park about a month after we'd broken up, just having a chat and and a check in. And he said, I have to thank you for putting food on the table for the last six years, because now that's my job that you're not there. And it's exhausting. He's like, yeah, I I got to the point where the kids turned around and said, Dad, this is the fourth night this week. We've had pizza. Can you please cook us something? And he was like, what? I did not realize the mental load that it takes just to think of how to give children nutritious food. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a fraction of it. Right. Mm -hmm. The mental load when you're a mom is unbelievable the mental load is it's it is overwhelming and it's the mental load i like to call it the mother load it Mm -hmm. is just it's you're set up to fail basically you can't do everything that society tells you to do to be this good enough mom you can't do it wendy it's impossible Mm -hmm. so what i say to my clients is don't even play that game don't even try and do everything to be this perfect mom because it just it's like trying to find a unicorn every day you're not going to find one so just don't try and do it don't play not this loser's day. game not every day anyway <laughs> <laughs> maybe at easter but not every day but leanne you are talking from such a place of confidence and assurance now but before you got there i mean did you ever take a bite of this cake did you ever get your face down into the oh. cream pie of mum guilt? What was that like? Yeah. What did you do to yourself? I was a guiltaholic, Wendy. Mm. I honestly was a guiltaholic. It wasn't just mum guilt. It was guilt about myself as a human being, basically. Daughter guilt, friend guilt, mm. wife guilt, and mum guilt as well. It was, I always felt like if something didn't go right, that it was all my fault. And that's a lot of guilt to carry, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot of responsibility right there. Yeah. So everything's yeah. your fault. You are yeah. responsible if, for if something everything. went wrong, so say, for example, if a friend didn't text me back, I would instantly think I have done something wrong and I would rack my brains trying to think, what is it that I've done wrong? How have I upset them? And I would get this feeling of anxiety that comes along with the guilt of thinking I've done something wrong. 
And it was it was a horrible feeling. I would get a pit in my stomach and I would feel like that a lot of the time, this guilt. It was always ready to just switch on. It's almost like the guilt was a default reaction. It's like and it was horrible. Waiting for the other shoe to drop, isn't it? Yeah. Like I, I, I really, I know that feeling, you know, where anything good that would happen, you know, like maybe getting into the drama school of my choice, you know, I can go into the drama school of my choice and then spend three years expecting to get kicked out because, <laughs> you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, yeah. I cannot be allowed to have this dream come true. Like, I don't, my story, I, I love this Brené Brown phrase, you know, the story I'm telling myself is, and the story I love that too. Right. The story I was telling myself every single day without even realizing it on a conscious level was I don't get the fairy tale. So at one point in my life, I was in the school of my dreams and engaged to the boyfriend of my dreams. And every single day going, but I don't get the fairy tale. I don't get the fairy tale. So he went off and cheated. <laughs> no, so, but to me, that felt, well, yeah, of course he did, because I don't get the fairy tale, yeah. you know? Yeah. And while it's I a did, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Right. And I did manage to stay in this, managed to stay in the school. I actually, you know, thrived and did really, really well in my school, but not in my head. So when, on my exit interview, when all of the professors that I'd had for three years and taken care of me and taught me so much, basically sat and said, you're amazing. We love you so much. I was like, wait, what? Because in my head, the story I was telling myself every day was that I was hanging on by a thread. And the only reason they hadn't cut me from the program was that they probably didn't want to disrupt my life and send me back to England because this is the United States. You know, yeah. so these stories, I know that feeling. When's the yeah, other I had one there? too. I had one too. The story, it's so interesting that you've said that yours was, I don't get the fairy tale. The phrase that I carried around with me subconsciously forever until recently was that I'm not special enough. Mm. Yeah. And that was, that again was a default thought that I had that I genuinely believed about myself I'm not special enough to have the career of my dreams the family of my dreams the husband of my dreams it was it it, it followed me around forever until I went and, and done my work on myself when I realized that feeling like you're not good enough and not special enough makes your life so much harder than it needs to be well, if we genuinely love ourselves, things get so much easier. Life gets an upgrade, doesn't it? Massively. Well, a massive upgrade because you're not carrying around this mental load of that story that is 100% of the time not true. Yeah. You know, 100% of the time not true. Like, you know, I don't get the fairy tale. Well, I mean, I was engaged to a guy who was not ready to commit and was a cheater that wasn't the fairy tale you know yeah. like now i'm married to an incredibly stable committed loyal like i got what i wanted really truly just had to get some you know sort the wheat from the chafe along the way you yeah. know so i think we do get to experience everything maybe not in the way or the time that we expect it to come, but by telling ourselves that we don't deserve it or waiting for the other shoe to drop, we're not enjoying what's there in the moment that's been given to us. We're not. Yeah. And I can only imagine because children, I have a children's theater company. So I'm, I'm around children a lot, you know, and I see how quick they grow. They grow quick. <laughs> I get to see them kind of once a year when I stop in and look after my company and I'm like, whoa, look at the legs on this one. Yeah. They grow so much. I can only imagine telling yourself, I'm not special enough. Mm -hmm. and I always felt like in my head, I was never going to be the one to be chosen. Mm. And that, that is, that I, I didn't realize that that was the story that I was telling myself. But I can remember the exact place that I was at when someone said that to me that you're not special enough, why you, Leanne, why would it be you? Can you remember when, the moment when that thought that you don't get the fairy tale, can you remember when that was embedded into your subconscious, Wendy? Oh, 100%. I was at boarding school and I had a crush on this boy called Gareth. And um, my friends turned to me and they said, oh, but they didn't use the exact words as he's a bit out of your league because we were only about 12 
they basically said that like oh we don't see you with him we see him with more Claire and they picked you know the perfect beautiful pretty blonde girl and it just in that moment I was like oh I'm not the princess then I don't get the prince okay I get it I I don't get the fairy tale suddenly you've told me what my casting is (laughs) I'm comedy next door neighbor I'm not leading lady I'm not princess I don't Mm -hmm. get fairy tale okay how old were you How, how old were you Wendy about 12 yeah. yeah, it's so interesting that the moment that my I'm not special enough was embedded in my head. I was about 16. I was at a party. And there was a guy there who was gorgeous. And I remember saying to my best friend, he's gorgeous. I really like him. And she said, Leanne, everyone likes him. Why would he be interested in you? And that is the moment that I began to tell myself, you're not special enough, Leanne. So very similar stories. Can you believe we hung up with these bitches, though? I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I know. When that that fiancé I was talking about earlier, who I had in my early 20s, when he cheated on me and we broke up, I remember actually talking to a professor of mine who was maybe in her late 40s, but probably about my age now. And I said to her, you know, well, you know, it's inevitable because I was so lucky to have him. He was so out of my league. I remember her turning to me and she just looked at me with that, that look that you only get from, I think, being in your 40s and beyond. You know, where you've been around the block a few times, you've had your heart broken enough times and you're tired of listening to crap about yourself in your own head. And she just turned to me and she said, Wendy, nobody is out of your league. And I was so confused. It just did not jive with yeah. My experience of life, the stories I was telling myself, I was just, that is, I don't understand why you would say that to me. It was literally like her saying, Wendy, yeah. you are a unicorn, you have pink hair. You are, I was like, I, okay, this is, why are you making stuff up? It's uncomfortable, you know? isn't it? It's really uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. And of course, she wasn't saying, you know, no one's out of your league because you're absolutely amazing, the most beautiful thing incredible talented woman on the planet that's not what she was saying she was saying that mindset that there's people who are out of your league or that you don't deserve to be respected and loved back by people that you have given love and respect to is wrong it's a false belief and it It is i'm so glad she planted that seed took me about another 15 years to actually start acting on it (laughs) that feeling of there's no one out of your league there's no yeah. happiness that you don't deserve. Yeah. What I think we should all do as adults, or maybe not adults, as young as possible, really, but and it's something that I sit down and do with my clients, but I get them to write down all the beliefs that they're carrying about themselves, mm. every single one. And mainly 90% of them are shit negative beliefs that they're carrying about themselves. Like, I'm disgusting. I'm going to fail. Um, I'm a terrible wife, like they're, they're all really, really, really difficult beliefs. And I get them to actually think about whether they want to carry those beliefs forward with them in their life. And inevitably they don't. So we let them go and we replace them with better thoughts that actually serve them. So like for me, the thought that, and the belief that I'm not special enough wouldn't it have been brilliant, Wendy, if I'd stopped believing in that when I stopped believing in Santa Claus? Because neither <laughs> serve me. We, I think as adults, we really need to stop sleepwalking and have a good look at the thoughts and beliefs and stories that we're, that we're listening to and acting on every day because we get to choose. We, we get, get to get choose to our choose. own thoughts. When we take that moment, and I love that exercise of just sitting down, because I find that there's a certain clarity that comes from writing things down inside our Definitely. own Because it's an amalgamation of voices that critiqued us as children usually. They feel so real. In fact, the voice might even feel like your own voice. And, it's, you know, a true part of me is telling me that I'm terrible, therefore I must believe. But often when we see these thoughts written down, we get to take that step back, right? And go, wait. And my favorite yeah. thing to do with that list of all those beliefs that are holding you back is one by one. Is this true? 
Yeah, definitely. And a part of you will say, well, yeah, because, but if you really hold it up to the light and it does take work and it might even take a little bit of digging and it might even take a little bit of, excuse me, blowing your own trumpet, potentially being a bit pig-headed. Heaven forbid a lady did that, Wendy. Heaven forbid. We get to announce our own triumphs in life, you know, but we get to say, actually... I can prove that this isn't true yeah. because if I'm willing to agree that I haven't always been a terrible person, that people have seen me as special because they've loved me in that way or that, you know, bringing it back to motherhood, right? You know, that <laughs> my children are alive. Like my own mother did yeah. this to me. I think I was in my thirties. We were in the car. We're literally just in a Sainsbury shop together. It's one of my favorite things to do with my mom is to go grocery shopping because we just chat and go up and down the aisles and we both love cooking. So we chat about food and things. Just a really friendly, comfortable place for us to bond. Sainsbury's. <laughs> and then we got in the car. I love it. I love it. And out of nowhere, my mom burst into tears and said, I'm so sorry for how all the mistakes that I made as a mother. And I just looked at this woman in shock, Leah. And I said to her, you know, and I'm glad I was wise enough in my 30s to be able to turn to her and say, um, I need to remind you, Caroline, that um, you became a mother at 19 and you gave birth to me at 21. If somebody had handed me a kid at 21, it wouldn't even be alive. You've done great. You've done great. Yeah. Like we wanted for nothing. We didn't have everything. We didn't grow up with loads on the, you know, we always said, you know, as long as there's food on the table and mom and dad both worked hard, so there was always food on the table. That was the only guarantee we needed, you know, and we had it. It was like, what mistakes are you talking about? Being a human, <laughs> not getting it right every day, not being perfect. Like, mom, that isn't true. That's and what that's what mom that. that's what mums need to be. They need to be human. Yeah. Our kids don't it's impossible for kids to learn from mums that are martyrs, right? That that try and be perfect. It's because what happens when our children aren't perfect? Do they feel like failures because they don't live up to these high standards that they that their mums had? Ooh, talk to talk to me about the mum martyr. You just my ears my ears pricked up then. I, I think that I'm a dog, listeners. I'm a dog. <laughs> I, I, I mum martyrs. Society seems to put this unnecessary pressure on us for mums to. Sorry, I I interchange between mums and moms because I have some clients in the states, so I'm calling them mums <laughs> and moms. Um, but the, it's just oh, sorry, Wendy. What are we talking about again? <laughs> the martyr, yeah. the martyr thing. to me about mom martyrs i love this the martyrdom gonna be is, is perfect a, today it's another pressure isn't it that we have to be a certain way that we have to give everything to everyone and 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 serve ourselves last if at all mm. society tells us that as women be just be more productive don't ever rest god forbid you're a lazy woman when we become mums, we're told that we have to be a martyr above all else. And if we're not, then you're not good enough. Mm. And I think that that is utter bullshit because I would rather be a role model than a martyr to my daughters. Our kids don't want us to die on the cross for them. They don't want us to be so depleted that we don't have any time for them or that we're miserable. Our kids want us to be happy ultimately. And I think it's, Abraham Hicks had said, the greatest gift you could ever give your own your own children is your own happiness. And I agree with that 1 million percent. Our kids just want us to be happy. They don't want us to be burning out. They don't want us to be resenting being a mom. They want us to be happy. We don't have to put ourselves last all of the time, because when we do, we're not showing up as the best version of ourselves for them. Paint a picture for me, because I love this model, role model versus Marta. Paint a picture for me of which, what's the difference between those two women? So um, a Marta is someone that puts everything and everyone else first, despite being on their knees. They think that the worst thing that could ever happen was for someone to say that, they're looking after themselves because they would feel that that meant that they were selfish mm. and not a good enough mom. 
And I adore my daughters. I would die for them, obviously. But I'm not a martyr. I'm a role model. And for me, being a role model means if I want them to be confident, then I need to be confident. If I want them to trust in themselves, then I need to trust in myself. If I want my daughters to practice self-care, then I need to do it too. If I want my daughters to be happy and live a full, engaged life, I have to be happy and live a full, engaged life too. Because there's no better person on this earth for them to learn from than me. I think it's it's Brené Brown that says we need to be the adult that we want our children to become. And I don't want my girls to be a martyr at all. So that's why I chose to be a role model instead. That is so. Does that make sense? And I'm like, I've got the chills in a good way all over my body from actually modeling the behavior that you want your daughters to have rather than because we know kids don't listen, right? You know, I mean, I know this as as a teacher and and a trainer of teachers as well as children aren't going to listen to what you say if your actions don't back it up. They are exactly intelligent, smart people. Don't underestimate a four-year-old. They watch and they know, and they know the difference between you talking one way out the side of your mouth and acting another way. And of course, that's even more true for your children in your home looking at you and saying, well, you know, you say stand up for myself, but you don't stand up for yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You You say practice boundaries, but you don't have boundaries. Yeah. You say. Oh, you say don't, don't. Don't be a people pleaser yet. Mom, you're people pleaser every day. Like, (laughs) Mm. we've got to be a role model. And I think a really easy example to understand is the example of I've got two daughters, one's 10 and one's 12. They eat exactly the same things, Wendy, but my 10-year-old is has a shape she's curvy she's beautiful and my eldest is very slim she's Mm -hmm. beautiful too she's a shape but I could say all of the right things to my youngest about her weight and and because sometimes they share clothes and for example a pair of jogging bottoms if my eldest was was to wear them they'd be really baggy on her but if my youngest put them on they'd be tight And if I was just saying to my youngest, don't worry about your weight, you look gorgeous, no matter what you wear. Mm. But then if I was standing in front of the mirror with my my joggers on and picking at everything that I was seeing, then what message am I given? I'm given the message that it matters what size and shape you are. So how can I role model that to Agnes? She wouldn't understand because I was giving her mixed messages. Love, I hope you are getting down some tips from our chat. But more than that, I hope that you feel seen and loved as you listen to us talk. Leanne and I are both huge believers in boundaries. Boundaries are really the foundation of self-love and an incredible thing to model to your children. To have strong boundaries is to live in alignment with your values and what you say you care about. But it can get confusing because some people's idea of boundaries is actually just being selfish and rude. But boundaries can be incredibly kind to you and to the people that you're setting them with. If you want some help setting boundaries, go to wendywindle.com and get my free guide, How to Build Boundaries That Get Back Time for You. There's a link in the show notes. And if you want more tips on how to be a good role model, not just for the children in your life, but for yourself, make sure you hit subscribe or get on my mailing list over at wendywindle.com so you don't miss the next episode, which is very cleverly called how to be a role model for yourself. (laughs) Now, back to the chat. Oh, we've got to be careful around our girls, don't we? We've got to be really careful. And that's that's why I went on my own healing journey, Wendy, because I did not want my daughters to grow up feeling the way that I did. And don't get me wrong, I had an amazing childhood. Even though my dad left when I was four and I'm from a single-parent family, I felt ultimate love from my mom and from my grandma and I had a great family upbringing but my mom doesn't love herself she's got really low self-esteem really low self-confidence and she definitely does not feel good enough so guess what I learned from her when we're talking about role modeling Mm. I learned not to feel good enough too 
I learned not to have self-confidence. Yeah, I had confidence in that I could walk into a room and chat to anyone. But deep down, I didn't feel good enough. And that's because my mum didn't model to me how to feel good enough. Mm. So I made a conscious decision in my late 30s as my girls were getting older and I was having obviously more influence on them that I needed to do something about this. I needed to go on my own healing journey or I call it my healing journey or self-care journey or self-worth journey. It's all very interchangeable, but I needed to do that for my daughters. And I've done that now. And that's what my clients do. That's the journey I take them on. And that's why I love coaching mums. It's not just for the mums, it's for the kids too. Because I don't want our kids not growing up, not feeling good enough because it makes their life so much harder than it needs to be. Imagine a world, Wendy, where we all felt good enough. Oh, can you imagine the amount of industries that would collapse if women woke up tomorrow and felt amazing about themselves? Yeah. Oh, my God. We wouldn't need to buy another thing other than economy would collapse. (laughs) It would. It would. It would. And that's and and the economy and also pharmaceuticals would crumble. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these these props, these crutches, these things that an exhausted, burned out woman feeling like she's in the pits reaches for because we were not taken aside and taught you are good enough. And here's how to look after yourself, you know, and don't get me started on this whole, I have a real bugbear about the self-care industry of the last five years or so and how it's been so focused on just have a massage and a bath. Oh my God. Or a bottle of rose. Self-care is I'm like, yeah, excuse. (laughs) You are a grown woman. A bath is grooming, not self-care. Self-care saying no self-care yeah. is modeling to your children self-care yeah. is having boundaries around work and what you will and won't do self-care is being able to say to somebody i will not be spoken to that way mm-hmm. or no i will not get you a sandwich that's self-care not it is. i did my nails today yeah <laughs> people think self-care is an indulgence it's not it doesn't and it doesn't need to cost money self-care is self-preservation in whichever form you like and I think kind of sold like what you've said self-care is this so do that so self-care is having a bubble bath and don't forget your face mask so where we think that that's what we have to do mm-hmm. self-care is bespoke to, to each individual it's like a fingerprint what works for me might, might not work for you Wendy for me I love listening to podcasts when I'm in the shower that is an act of self-care for me but similarly going for a walk for wellness is also pushing back on my husband is if I feel like I'm doing too much of the household stuff that's self-care it's all bespoke to the individual and no one on Instagram or Facebook or in advertising and marketing should be telling us what self-care is to us because it's definitely not one size fits all definitely not and actually I think a place to look where to begin your self-care becomes just like you were talking about pushing back i think when we can get a bit still just give ourselves a couple of minutes to just sit and think about this where do i feel that i'm being stretched and not in a good way where do i feel that i'm being pushed not in a good way what's causing me resentment that i love the emotion of resentment because she is she's like cassandra screaming out the truth you know if you resent something like you said earlier i don't want to resent parenting if you resent your kids it's time to sit down and say why right yeah. what am yeah. i doing that i that i resent this or if you resent i don't making dinner in the house why because that's such a lovely thing to do for your family. But why then are you resenting it? Is it because you're the only person doing it? Yeah. That's 100% your job while you work full time and take care of yeah. everything else in the house at the same time. I think resentment can be a great kind of canary in the coal mine to say mm-hmm. there is a self-care that needs to be put in place here. And it's not mm-hmm. going to be a face pack. It's going to be boundary. I don't think a face mask has ever made anyone feel better, really. <laughs> Definitely yeah. didn't for me. I am a beauty junkie. I love a face pack. You know, my husband and I actually have, we have star days pretty much every weekend where we'll soak our feet and do face packs because it makes us feel nice. But that's not yeah. 
is grooming. You know, it's not like it is actively practicing self-care. It's if I did a face pack every day, but did not hold my boundaries and let myself live in a state of resentment, it, that's clear as day then that a face pack is not self-care. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. Stand up for ourselves. Speak the thing that we're afraid to speak because we feel, well, if I speak up for myself in this family, I might get kicked out. <laughs> I might cause a ruckus. I might cause an argument. My kids might not like it. My partner might not like it. If we actually go ahead and say that thing, that is practicing self-care, right? It is. But we've got to do it without the guilt, Wendy. Mm, because that's unless, a again. unless you take control of the guilt, then as soon as you stand up for yourself, the guilt will just pop straight up like whack-a-mole. It will pop straight up and be like, you shouldn't have done that. You're you're not a nice person. Don't do that again. Mm. And it's it will instantly do that. And I feel like guilt makes so many women put the block on doing things that would actually make them feel better it's it's it it just makes women freeze and feel shit about themselves and we we can't do that when it's when it's if there's a choice between feeling guilty or looking after ourselves we've got to look after ourselves Mm -hmm. because guilt never made anyone feel any better it's a pointless emotion for me, Wendy. Guilt, guilt and shame are point unless you've done something seriously harmful to another human being, you don't need to you don't need to listen to your guilt. It's yeah. pointless. And I love that distinction. Unless you've stepped out of your way or, you know, we've all been there where tempers, you know, I'm a redhead, so I've quite a temper. So I've had to in my life circle back and apologize for my work yeah. when I was angry. You know, there's that there's that guilt that comes up and says, oh, I maybe could have taken six deep breaths before I responded to that email, or I maybe could have taken a little walk. First of all, if I've done that, guaranteed I'm not taking good care of myself. I haven't yeah. been practicing my self-care. If I've got to the point where I'm so fried and frayed that I'll say something that I later regret. But that's very, very different to feeling guilt because you simply stood up for your own human rights yeah. in your own home. Yeah. Or feeling guilty because guess what? You've gone to bed and you didn't hoover up. Or something that comes up with so many of my clients is leaving dishes in the sink overnight. Major guilt about that. How dare you? How dare exactly. you? Exactly. And yet I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Where does this, who told us this, right? You must not leave your dishes in the sink. Yeah, it must like, be embedded. Yeah. Embedded. So, some man is telling us that if you leave your dishes in the sink, it's sacrilege and you're not a successful human being. And I'm like, yeah. does that person have children to put to bed? Does that person have a full <laughs> life, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, plenty of times you come down in the morning and it is a yucky feeling. You're like, oh, sorry you know past you is like "Mm, sorry my bad should have scrubbed that plate last night but there's no point feeling guilty about yeah guilt guilt does not need to come into it but it will unless you keep pushing it away Mm -hmm. and what's your what's your top tip for pushing away that guilt leanne because you seem to be an expert on this i would just i think you always have a choice wendy when it comes to what you think and what you believe and the story you're telling yourself, you get to choose whether or not you want to believe it. Mm. And I would say that if something is making you not feel very good, don't believe it. Choose another thought instead. I like to call it a thought switch. Mm-hmm. So say, Wendy, you, you're lying in bed and you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm a terrible person. I did not wash up, but I really couldn't be bothered. I am so lazy. And people, if people knew they'd judge me, like so many horrible things you could be saying about yourself that is driven by this guilt. I would ditch that thought, think, acknowledge the thought, ditch it, and then think instead, well, what's an... What's another alternative that isn't is a bit kinder to yourself that doesn't hurt as much? And maybe you could think, I've got so much on my plate right now. I've only got so many hours in the day. No one is going to judge me for having dishes in my sink. It's safe for me to look after me. And that means going to bed early and not staying up another half an hour to clean the kitchen. Choose that thought instead. You tapped into something there that I've worked on this 
thought mantra a lot when I first came across it about maybe six years ago, because I was like, this is a revelation to me. It's safe for me too. Because of course, one of the reasons that we martyr ourselves, do too much, get into burnout is because subconsciously because of our programming because of what we've been told as women you thou shalt put thyself last thou shalt work yourself into exhaustion for your family your people every single day it doesn't feel safe to put yourself first and just a simple mantra right of just saying you know it's safe for me to go to bed now and not do yeah. that and yeah. when you say it out loud it's safe for me to go to bed and not do the dishes It sounds ridiculous, but I think part of this work, right, this reprogramming, this healing work is to recognize the ridiculousness of the running us, you know? Yes. It's safe for me to not go to that party. It's safe for me to not make cupcakes this weekend, you know? (laughs) Like, this is for me the reparenting part of it. Is I had to create like, you know, sort of a mum Wendy who would look down on current Wendy and say, you know what, hon, it's safe for you to lie on the sofa today and do yeah. what? Yeah. Nothing. That's not productive. Yeah. It's safe for you to cancel that meeting because you're really not well. It's safe. Yeah. You're safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still sitting here. So obviously the part of me that was telling me it was safe was right. You know, and the yeah. that was saying the world will collapse if you cancel a work meeting on the same day. How dare you? Your business will fail. Obviously, that was a lie. It was a huge lie. I love to call it fake news. It is fake news <laughs> coming directly from your inner critic. And your inner critic uses when you're a mom, your inner critic secret weapon is mom guilt because mm. it's straight to the heart, Wendy. It's an easy win for your inner critic to to throw mum guilt in the mix. So it will do that continuously until you stop believing everything that it says and start start asking it questions like our inner critic and our mum guilt. It loves to make big, big, bold statements that aren't that aren't actually true. Yet we believe them. Mm. I had a client. This wasn't specifically about mum guilt, but for her whole life, her inner critic had told her that she was disgusting because of the size she was. She was a size 24, an absolutely stunning, stylish woman who anyone would want to be friends with. But the story she telling, was telling herself that came directly from her inner critic was that she was disgusting. And I was like, that broke my heart that she thought that about herself. And when I questioned her on it and said, is that really the truth? Do you think if this went to court and we asked a jury, is this woman disgusting? Would everyone say yes? Would it be an actual fact that you are? And she was like, I don't think it would be. Yeah. And I said, well, why have you been carrying this solid belief around with you that you're disgusting? It doesn't serve you. So change it. So she got busy working on the belief that I, I look okay. She could get to, she couldn't get to, I look beautiful, mm. but she could get to, I look okay. And that, that was life changing for her. We're carrying around so many beliefs from our inner critic that we don't need to believe anymore. It's fake news. And, and mum guilt definitely comes, unless you've hurt someone or you've caused someone pain, you don't need to be feeling mum guilt just for being human, not being perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think something as well that I talk to because this human element, right, is not only are we allowed to be human as parents or caregivers or teachers, but also to allow children to be human. Yes. I I was teaching a a new teacher a while back and she said, um, oh, like, what do you do if you make a child cry? And I just laughed at her with the best of intentions, but said, oh, darling, like, you're going to make a kid cry because children are human beings with emotions. Yeah. But going to say something to a kid at some point in this week that will accidentally make them cry. And your job is to make them feel okay that they're crying. Apologize if maybe you did something, maybe you said something out of turn or made a joke that they didn't get or something, or, you know, or push them a bit harder than they were ready for. Be open, be vulnerable, be ready to apologize. 
but it's okay. It's okay that they're crying and it's okay that you feel bad because I feel a lot of times we get this message that if a child is crying or anything other than wearing head to toe designer clothes, you know, listening, using the latest iPhone when they're only 10, you know, carrying around a book bag of the latest technology and gadgets, getting jetted off first class to holidays in Mauritius every year, you know, and, and never, ever feeling bad, you know, yeah. eating food that they don't like. It's like, who are these people that we're trying to create? I know, I know. Because these people are human. And they're yeah. just as messy and gorgeous and complicated and emotional as us, but we're trying to perfect them, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfectionism. That's another pointless thing because perfect doesn't exist, does it? Mm-hmm. But why are so many of us striving for perfection? It's like we're on this treadmill like or a conveyor belt trying to get to perfection, but we're never going to get there. And how boring would life be if everyone was perfect? But I think, I mean, I'm 41, I'm going to be 42. I remember the days when people didn't really have plastic surgery and all that jazz, and we all embraced what we looked like. We didn't feel the need to try and be perfect. But I feel like perfectionism is on steroids at the moment. Everywhere you look, it is the pressure to be perfect. And today on my Instagram I was talking about the pressure to be perfect at Christmas and I was saying there's just you don't need to do all of the things that you're pressurizing to doing and I gave a list of the things that I am not doing this Christmas because I'm not giving into the pressure to be perfect and it was I'm not crafting my own Christmas wreath I'm not going to see Santa Claus I'm not decorating the outside of my house I'm not um I'm not going to a festive light show I'm not wearing matching Christmas pajamas. Like we don't need to. Leanne, you're not going to have that picture of everyone in your. No, I know, I know. What are people going to think of me? Yeah. What are people going to think? You are getting kicked out of the mom mom club right now. I will be. I will be. Because we're 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 sold that if we're perfect, that we're going to feel good enough. Mm. but we won't because we will never get there and it doesn't exist so again it's like trying to find a unicorn every day trying to be perfect everything we've talked about today falls under this same umbrella to me it's this lie if you behave this way you will feel amazing and this way can be if you are the martyr mom who puts her kids first, who decorates her own wreath, who cooks her own cookies and makes her own Christmas decorations, who does, you know, all of these things. If you do all of that and your children never cry and they look perfect all the time and they get straight A's because, you know, you're basically a full-time mom and a full-time homeschooler and tutor, um, you will feel amazing. It's a lie. The same way it's a lie. if you change your body shape, you will feel amazing. It's a lie. You know, yeah. for me now, 47, I'm bombarded by the anti-aging brigade. Oh, you know, my like, God. Just buy this cream. Just inject yourself with this. Just have this. Have these tweakments and you will feel amazing. I'm like, that is a straight up lie. Because the personal yeah. claiming that I should have now in order to feel amazing, I had at 21. I had collagen. I had zero wrinkles. I had the body type that you're telling me that everybody should strive for. And I was freaking miserable. So I know oh my God. Why are you trying to peddle me this stuff again? Yeah. I yeah. know it's a lie. You yeah. Know. We're not, we're, we're lucky and we've both done the work on ourselves, but so we're not really vulnerable to these ads anymore, but there's so many people, Wendy, the majority of people haven't done the work on themselves. So they're going to be really vulnerable to all of these things. And it's just wasting their time. It's wasting their headspace. It could potentially be meaning that they waste their money on these things just to feel good enough. You don't need to do any of that shit because you were born good enough. You're going to die good enough. The problem is that you don't believe that you don't believe it yet. You need to do the inner work to believe it. And that's it, right? That's the truth. You do the yeah. work and you change your mindset and you change your beliefs, reducing yeah. your limiting beliefs, which it is work. It takes the time to come back and do the work and understand the structure of your own psychology. But it is doable. It is achievable. It is. And when you've done that, 
you're not going to feel blissed out, you know, blissed off your tits every day, swinging on a chair with Jesus and counting unicorns, because that's not real life. Yeah. You will feel good about yourself and yeah. your own ability to do the best that you can on a given day yeah. and take yeah. care of yourself and model to your children. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And be kind to yourself. Kindness is so underrated. As mums, we find it so easy to be kind to everyone else but ourselves. We are our own worst enemies. Life changes so much when we start being kind to ourselves and the way that we treat ourselves and the things that we're saying to ourselves in our own head. Yeah. Be kind. Don't give in to the guilt. It's a lie. Leanne, tell me something that you used to do, some shit you used to do for love that you've drawn a line under that you refuse to do now. Ooh, Wendy, the thing that I always used to do, and this was born out of my not enoughness, but I didn't realize it at the time until I did the work, was that I always wanted to be in a relationship with someone who didn't want me. Mm. And the more that they rejected me, the more I wanted to be with them. Mm-hmm. And that felt shit. And I had so many relationships where that was the case, that the more they didn't want me, the more I wanted them, and the more greater the validation I got from that person. Because you know what, Wendy? When you don't feel good enough inside, you outsource your worthiness to other people. You use people like validation vending machines, And that's what I did my whole life until I did my own inner work. My enoughness was completely dependent externally on what people thought of me, whether people liked me, whether people wanted to be in a relationship with me, whether people wanted me in their team. That was the only way I knew of to feel good enough. And when it came to boyfriends and relationships, the more they didn't want me, the greater sense of validation I got if they decided that they did. Leanne, I am even more in love with you than before we started this conversation. You have shared so much and just been, I love how you just show up fully as yourself. Just this bright, bubbly, energetic, but also incredibly deep and soul-searching, deep-thinking, intelligent human being. And I love how you bring every single scrap of yourself into everything that you do. It's, it's oh, Wendy, aware. thank you so much. I can't be anything else other than me. And that's what I see. I hope that by me being me, I give permission to other women to just be themselves as well. I love we that. We don't need too. more... We don't need more cardboard cutouts of this perfect mom on Instagram because your kids don't want that. They want you to be you and they want you to be happy. Are you in love with Leanne now? Me too. Of all the episodes I've recorded, I actually had to edit the most out of this one because we kept going off on rants against social media and the patriarchy. But I hope that I kept enough in here for you to start to get the message that you cannot win the game with the rules that have been set. Not women, not girls, and especially not mums. So don't even play. You are doing great I can guarantee you so much better than you think. So kindly drop that guilt in the bin and love yourself. I bloody love you.